welcome to the Wesleyan Podcast, bringing you news and financial tips for doctors, dentists, teachers and lawyers. Hello, I'm Neil Whelan and welcome to the latest edition of the Wesleyan Podcast. With me again is someone who I'm elevating to co-host for just this week. It's our Corporate Responsibility Officer, Jessica Wilkstradding. Hello Jess. Hi Neil. You've almost made him. I know, I'm nearly there. I feel like I'm at the pinnacle of my career, the, right this second. You're on the brink of immortality, but not well, quite. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, immortality, maybe not so much, but, you know, because of what we're talking about today in our subject, maybe, you know, they'll come up with a cure for, you know, that kind of thing. That was a beautiful segue. <laughs> uh, as Jess just alluded to, yeah, this month marks the 70th anniversary of the NHS, and with GPs and hospital doctors, and indeed dentists being one of the professionals we serve, Alongside teachers and lawyers, of course, we thought we'd pay a bit of a tribute to all NHS staff out there. Like everyone, we've all been touched by the NHS and the amazing work that it does. And, you know, during these whole celebration things, I just can't quite get my head around the fact that there was a world without it. Because it seems like the most obvious thing in the world to do. You provide free education, why not free health? So it it is a remarkable institution. It is, and it's something that I think people are very proud of but I think it's also something that people would really fight hard to keep and you know it's such a wonderful thing and lots of my friends have gone into the profession and have excelled in their professions and they absolutely love working for the NHS so Emily one of our apprentices her mum's been there over 25 years she was telling us yesterday mm-hmm. she's oh yeah she worked in loads of departments in the back office and stuff but without the back office the front office just couldn't work it's like you know they need the engine to get them moving and, and do do the delivery that they do and it's just superb. That's right. I mean, whenever you go to a GP practice, I mean, my mother used to be a receptionist in a GP practice, and obviously the only two people you ever see when you go there is the receptionist <laughs> and the GP. Um, my mother was one of the nice receptionists, I should clarify that for when she's listening. Um, <laughs> but th- there are people all around, that, you know, there's, there's nurses that unless you have to see them, you won't see. There are people milling around doing the cleaning and admin and all that kind of stuff, and the practice manager who... You know, we do a lot of work with practice managers here at Wesleyan, and if they're not there, the whole thing just mm. falls over. So, yeah, you're right, there's these unseen people who are just as important as the frontline staff who cure everything. Yeah, and having the partnership we did with Birmingham Children's Hospital for those four years, we were really privileged to actually see the back office, the front office, but also the fundraising side, where they could actually go over and above the NHS provision to make it an even better place for their staff to work. And yeah, we've left an amazing legacy there with you know this world-leading children's cancer centre that they're having there, the UK's only rare diseases centre, and Magnolia House, which was the first of its kind in the UK, this beautiful palliative care centre of excellence. So that hospital every day is changing lives, and a hospital never closes. They're always open 24-7, 365, or 66 if it's a leap year, days a year. And it's just amazing. And personally, I I went into the Children's Hospital on Christmas Day with one of our colleagues who um, will retire next year, Alan Williams. And there were nurses and doctors there on Christmas Day, and it was just like any other working day to them. Mm -hmm. And... They were looking after some of the poorest, poorest children in the country. You know, you had babies no, no bigger than my hand that had four or five people completely dedicated to making sure that child could grow up and to run, run marathons or go to school or go to university. And it's just so awe-inspiring that something that is so special and that, every, that is available to everybody, no matter what your background, I just think it's amazing. Yeah. 
Well, following that line through, um, we're going to hear now from Rachel Burrows, who is our marketing development manager. Now, well, she'll tell you the tale in her own words, um, and it, it's horrifying, really, just the, the instance she found herself in, but her recovery was just awe-inspiring, and there's a, there's a figure in there. Um, I think, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. So, um, yeah, let's see what Rachel's got to say, and uh, we'll back after this. In May 2009, I was out on a cycling ride with my husband and half a mile from home, on a hill, I cornered badly, clipped the edge of the road, went over the handlebars and hit a tree head first and the impact to my head broke my back. So, um, pretty shocking injury. At the point at which um, the ambulance arrived, that's when I went into the care of the wonderful NHS. Um, I started in accident and emergency at the old Selyoke Hospital in Birmingham. I was then transferred to Queen Elizabeth Hospital, but I ended up four days later in the Midlands Centre for Spinal Injuries in Oswestry, a fantastic centre with world-class consultants who are true specialists in their field, and that's where my recovery began. Five and a half weeks I was in hospital in total four, of which five of those weeks were at Oswestry. And um, during that time I had fantastic care from people who truly know how to handle the injury that I had. What struck me in that centre was just the amount of world-class and very specialist and very specific care that people were getting. I. Um, came under the care of a consultant called Mr Al Masri and he offered me two choices and he was very balanced in the way he offered those choices. I could have surgery which would mean that I could be up and about back on my feet within two weeks and discharged or I could take the conservative care route which basically means that the staff there manage your injury while you're on total bed rest and not able to get up or move for anything um, and but your bones will fix back together and fuse back together themselves. I took the conservative care route because I felt that I knew I could would walk again, I knew I could move my legs and I had already done half a week on bed rest which counted towards my five weeks anyway um, so I decided to take that route. What I then found out was that Mr El Masri is a world leader in this affair and speaks all over the world on the, and advocates the benefits of conservative care. So I clearly made the right choice and I'm walking very easily today. I started counting the number of people that I remember treating me throughout the period of time that I was in hospital and I was pretty staggered to get to a figure of 106 NHS workers that were visible to me throughout my treatment. And that was everyone from the ambulance drivers that treated me at the scene of my accident through to the X-ray and MRI experts, physiotherapists, counsellors, hospital porters, nurses, sisters, occupational therapists. It was a staggering list and I was pretty stunned when I got to 106 and that doesn't even factor in cleaners, kitchen staff and other people that I, I didn't see but that got me back on my feet again. Really impressive.
and that's why I love the NHS. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, yeah, the figure there, 106 people that she knows about that helped her recover from that broken back and th- and the recovery, it's extraordinary. And, and as, she, as she said there, it's it's not those are just people that she saw, mm. not all those people behind the scenes which we were just talking about. Yeah, she's amazing. And, you know, knowing Rachel as a does, you know, she's got a great sense of humour and so positive outlook on life. And to go through something like that and come out of it at the other end, having been completely put back together, as you say, by over 100 people that, she, as you say, she knows about, is really amazing. Absolutely amazing. So the next person we're going to hear from is Caroline Hill. Now, Caroline is our Director of HR and Corporate Services and on her own, I mean, this is just a snippet of her life story and she's got an amazing life story, but this bit is, is, is a really, really nice story. And it won't seem like that at first, but it will get there in the end. So let's have a listen to this. When my daughter Safi was 16, I was at work one day and I got that call that every parent dreads to come immediately to the hospital. Um, and it turned out after many tests that my daughter was diagnosed with a tumour. Um, we, it was a very rare type of tumour. It was just before the summer holidays, poor thing. Um, and it was the year before she was due to do her GCSEs. And until that point, she'd absolutely been adamant she wanted to be a lawyer. So it was really important that she got really good grades in her GCSEs so she could go on and do the A-levels she wanted to. Um, it turned out that she spent most of that summer in Birmingham Children's Hospital and she had the tumour removed um, and it was benign luckily but it was quite a complicated tumour, it was, it was linked to her nervous system so across that summer and then actually as she got older we transitioned um, a couple of years later when she turned 18 to the QE hospital and we visited many departments including uh, neurology, the liver ward which I know has got a special name but I can't remember what it is um, the um, physiotherapy department, the oncology department um, inpatients, outpatients, and it really, really opened up my eyes to the NHS and how absolutely fabulous they are. But this story does have a happy ending. Safi's now nearly 22. She's absolutely fine now. She does still have some problems walking, but you would never know because actually we had some good coaching from some of the doctors at the NHS and they told us it just becomes part of who she is. And actually one day when she was sitting in outpatients having a platelet um, transfusion, she actually said to me, Mum, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. And I thought, oh my God, she's going to tell me she wants to be a pop star or a fashion model. But no, she wanted to be a nurse. And so now she's been at Birmingham University for three years and she's actually been offered a job at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital starting in September when she graduates. So I'm really proud of my daughter and really proud of the NHS. So yeah, thanks Caroline. That's a really, really nice story because, you know, a daughter being as ill as she was and then deciding to go to university and become a nurse and then graduate this year, start work at the QE this year, and mum is really, really proud. And when we when we recorded that, you, it, was, it was coming out, but you could, she was, a, yeah, she was a real, real proud of me. She is, and, you know, as I was saying, I've got lots of friends who have gone into the NHS, but some of them have gone into it through personal experience or, or being touched by an experience themselves. So they've, they've seen it, they've lived it themselves, and they've gone, do you know what, I actually want to give more back. I want to go and work or train to be a nurse or a doctor or a physiotherapist or an OT, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, even just the volunteering days that we've done with NHS services and in hospitals, people have come out and gone, right, can I do that again? Or can I do something else? 
Yeah, so we've, we've done a few volunteering days. So we did one at uh, Mid Cheshire Hospitals where we refurbished um, their sensory garden, which links onto their ward where they help patients who've got dementia, which is a lovely thing to do because, you know, going outside and, and being outside, there's, there's a real link between, you know, the outdoors and actually helping people to feel calmer. So I think that's a lovely thing. We went to Milton Keynes and again did a garden as you went into one of their entrants. And that was our bank team from our new Malden office. And we're really lucky to have one of the most fantastic partners in the Queen Elizabeth Hospitals Trust in Birmingham. So they look after a multiple number of hospitals here, but we do lots in their green spaces. So did you know, Neil? Drop this knowledge on me, go on. That the QE actually grow a lot of their food on their allotments and on their grounds that then they make into meals for the patients. Really? How cool is that? And our, our staff have gone down there and helped to look after the site and do all sorts of different things but they've also been making things for the tea party this week they've been making bunting and they've actually asked us to refurbish um, a place called Norman Power which is a rehabilitation centre a bit of like a home from hospital centre and they've asked Wesleyan to completely refurbish their gardens they've got this beautiful facility and nobody can go outside because it's just not fit for purpose so over the summer we're going to try and get as many staff as possible um, I'd like to think over 100 staff could maybe get involved in that and then by the end of the summer we'll be able to go home over and open it and sort of celebrate it with them that we've created this beautiful space So yeah just on the QE hospital so I used to live really close to it and you know on a, on a day like this in the middle of summer well indeed any day of the year to be perfectly honest you'd have these Chinook helicopters mm-hmm. fly over and it would send the dogs crazy but every time one of those helicopters went over you would know that that was someone coming back from Iraq or Afghanistan mm-hmm. and you know it was a centre of excellence for you know the horror, the horrific injuries that those guys suffered while they were out yeah. there but the other thing is that it wasn't just the soldiers who came back one of the one of the most famous patients, if you will, that went to the QE was Malala Yousafzai. It was. Um, who, those you might remember, she was uh, shot in the head by the Taliban in Pakistan, I think it was, wasn't mm. it? And, you know, they whisked her out of the country and said, right, she needs the best treatments in the world for this kind of injury. And where did they bring her? They brought her to the QE hospital in Birmingham. And it was a long road, but she got there in the end. And, you know, she's won a Nobel Prize. She's gone to Oxford and she's going to graduate and... No, she will change the world, oh, yeah, and she will, and she will change the world because of the support she received from the NHS, and yeah. it makes me proud that it, that she was helped by the UK NHS and specifically by that hospital here in Birmingham, mm-hmm. which you know, as I say, it's a centre of excellence. It is so. That, so two things that you've just made me rem- reminded me of there. So they have something called Fisher House there, which is a home from home for families of soldiers who've come back with life changing injuries, and Fisher House is just beautiful and something that the QE are really really proud of and unless your life is touched by it you would not realise the life changing impact that a a, a building has had on families Um, and secondly I've actually been to the maxillofacial unit there but and people are going oh god that's teeth well it isn't teeth actually it's rebuilding people they have a 3D printer there where they can actually print someone's skull so they know which bits of the skull they need to repair they also make glass eyes they also make noses to put onto people who've maybe lost a nose through cancer ears everything I've, I've got to tell you this so I went in and they were like this is the smallest office smallest department potentially in the hospital but we actually put people back together and they genuinely rebuild people um, and, and one of the guys goes, right, put your hands out. And you think, oh, no. He goes, shut your eyes. And you think, double no. So I uh, put my hands out, shut my eyes. And in my hand, he put a nose and ear and two glass eyes. And they make your nose look exactly the same as your nose looks now. 
So you have a small scar, if you have a blemish on there, or you have a little, you know, whatever shape of it, you would not know that it wasn't your real nose. It's incredible, and it's one of the best day trips I've ever had out at, the, at, at Wesleyan to go and see that. And yeah, I can highly recommend going back and see that. They were raising money at the time for a, a 3D printer that was big enough to print a pelvis. So they could then start to rebuild pelvises and hips so they knew what kind of hip pieces. So, um, and I sat there and I'm watching this 3D printer going around. And it was like a little hamster in a wheel that I was watching because it's just amazing. And they have a whole cupboard that they just open full of 3D printed things, you know, skulls and all sorts of stuff. But it's absolutely fantastic place. And Justine and the team there who work in the fundraising department are a real credit to that hospital but everybody who works there and they were on that surgeons program mm -hmm. you know they've done so much stuff there and we've actually given them some money from the foundation for that MacFac unit so full circle what we've done with them absolutely and, it, and that just goes to show just how far the NHS has come in 70 years yeah. the idea of being able to print a new pelvis I mean <laughs> I can't believe it and it's happening now but if you told someone back in the 40s that especially just coming off the back of the, the Second World War, which we'll come back to that again in a second, but to tell them the, the advancements that have been made by the NHS and the kind of injuries and conditions they can now treat almost with a click of a finger, it's extraordinary. But going back to the 1940s, as, as well as the whole thing of the NHS can't imagine it ever existed before, it didn't. Mm -hmm. But to create the NHS in 1948, three years after the end of the Second World War, when the country was rebuilding, it was a time of you know proper austerity. And for someone to just go, you know what, we are going to set this up from scratch mm. and deliver it in, in a couple of years. The foresight mm. and mm. ingenuity and bravery to make that decision is extraordinary. And they've, le they've led the world in, you know, first test you baby, you know, all of those kinds of things. I think she was called Louise Jones, but don't quote me on that. I'm sure it was Louise something. We'll find that out. Um, but yeah, there's loads. Louise Brown. There you go. There you go. So loads of life-changing things have happened from the NHS, and some of it even by accident. And you've got people like that who've then helped to change the way that the NHS delivers treatment. I mean, we're both sat here, and we're both quite fit and healthy. But if anything happened to me tomorrow, I know that I could go and see my doctor, or go to A&E, or ring 111 or go to my pharmacist and go, and actually, I don't feel great, and they'll go, right, you need to do this, 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 and this. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And going back to the QE hospital, they've got something called a cyber knife there, which is one of the best ways of treating cancers. And there's very, very few of them. I think they can count on one hand how many of them are in the UK, and I think there's less than half of that that are actually accessible through the NHS. And they can target specific cancers and shrink them quicker and faster and it's much better on the patient because it's actually being targeted at the, at the all the cancer cells rather than being targeted at a wider part of the organ so they're just getting so so much better at being able to do that but I think there is still some way to go and I think you know there's lots of ways that people can support their local hospitals either through volunteering or getting involved in their fundraising department so people can continue to give the best equipment to the best people in the world who can help to give the best chance to people to carry on living. You and I went to a, a cancer research dinner once, didn't we? And the guy there, he, um, he got up and told his tale of his, you know, being diagnosed and then recovering. And he, he told the tale about his doctor said, you know, it's a good job you found out you were had cancer in the West Midlands because you're going to get the best care yeah. in the UK here at yeah. this hospital. And, you know, we can see 
the children's hospital from here. We can jump on a train and go to the QE. There's loads of other other brilliant hospitals around this city that do so and many different things. And the whole country, things. let's, you know... Yeah. We're, we, we do look after the whole country here, so yeah. Yeah, you know, there are life-changing things happening all over the country, and what's really great is, as I said earlier, we've used some of our volunteering days in other hospitals. So if you work in a hospital and you need some volunteering, go to our website and drop us a line because we'd love to be able to help you with our volunteering days. You know, we've got 1,800 staff right across the UK that we really want to be able to use in our local hospitals to maybe help make a difference. So it's important to remember that, you know, the two stories you've heard so far, they were both potentially life-threatening. But the NHS isn't just there for those moments where you get hit by a bus or discover, you know, you've got some horrible disease or illness. Um, they're also there for the littler things in life, uh, as, as Becky Tipper, one of our communications manager, will now discuss. So I love the NHS because it saves so many lives and so many of my family and friends, you know, simply wouldn't be here without it. But what I really love about the NHS is that it's not just there for the big things, it's there for the little trivial things as well. And for me, the story that I always remember and that I always think of when people ask me what do I think of the NHS is the time that they saved Christmas for me. Um, so many years ago I was very diligently helping my mum with Christmas dinner, chopping up some vegetables um, and she had warned me, oh, be careful with that knife, it's quite sharp. Obviously being a teenager didn't really listen, um, carried on chopping the butternut squash and proceeded to almost slice off the tip of my finger. Um, so we rushed up to the hospital on Christmas Eve, it was obviously very busy, really high pressure time for all the staff there, um, but they managed to rush me through, they must have seen the amount of blood gushing out of my finger. Um, and stitched me back up in no time and so I could get home and enjoy the Christmas Eve parties and you know enjoy the rest of Christmas and it was brilliant and so yeah the NHS they're they're amazing for many reasons but for me it's the fact that yes they're saving lives but they're also saving the little things that make a difference to your everyday life. So there we go that was Becky telling us how the NHS saved Christmas (laughs) (laughs) which I think you know that's the episode of Casualty we want to see rather than some horrible train accident. Oh, definitely. You know, every, what they should do is a, a minor injuries version of Casualty. Yeah. You know, people come in and they go, oh, I've cut my finger or, oh, my kid's got a toy stuck in his ear or, you know, a bead stuck up his nose. All of that kind of stuff that kids do, you know, that you end up having to take them to hospital for. Thankfully, I was quite a, a non-accident prone child and I don't think I ever ended up in A&E as a child, touch wood. But, you know, plenty of my friends have had to take their kids there and go, oh, what have they done now? They're, oh, they ran into a coffee table or, you know, they've run into the, the, the glass patio doors. Mm-hmm. How many times have people run into those as a small child? Yes. You know, so they're all the kinds of day-to-day things. So do you want another fact, Neil? Please, please, another fact. So did you know that the NHS in England treats more than 1.4 million patients every 24 hours? And that goes back to cut fingers, bumped heads migraines, concussion, right the way through to the most serious surgery. It's amazing. Well, I'm going to see that statistic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to drop one of Wesleyan's own statistics on you. Um, yeah, we did a survey of doctors last year. Um, we do it most years, really, just to, just to take the pulse, mm. excuse the pun, of, of what the doctors think <laughs> of the profession. And um, we found out that despite more than half of doctors, which is around 58%, feeling unappreciated by central government... An overwhelming 95% said they felt appreciated by their patients. And if given a choice, 9 out of 10 of them would choose to do the same career again. And that was up slightly from 2016. So they, they are appreciated. And, you know, I think when they know it when, the, when a patient comes in to see them. You know, I always make a point of whenever I leave a doctor's surgery, I will thank them. Yeah. 
and that's really important you know just a, a, a hello good morning or a thank you it's just really because you know if you're seeing people every 10 minutes it's quite relentless and you have and to have that knowledge and that brain power to switch from one diagnosis to the next to the next to the next I just I just can't even compute what what that would even look like I mean I struggle to answer an email and a phone at the same time let alone look having someone's life in my hands it's incredible but I mean, every time I go to a GP it just blows my hair back that they seem to know everything about everything so you can go in there and you don't know what's wrong with you you will sit yourself down and say this hurts or I'm mm. not feeling this and within seconds they'll go oh yeah it's probably this here's some pills and on your way mm. and you know in a few days for me again finding a piece of wood to touch I'm sorted. Yeah, it's fabulous. You know, and there's, there's, you know, we also look at the the other people that keep the NHS going. As I said earlier, you know, the nurses are, are just like the, such the frontline staff, and and a lot of the time they're the ones that are doing all the running around. So my mum was in hospital recently, and they couldn't have done enough for her. She'd had a hip replacement, and they were getting her up every day and walking, and she wasn't free and brilliant. But they were like, no, you can do it, Annie. You know, just stand up and, and, and have a go. And their positivity of getting my mum back up and walking when she felt pretty rubbish was just fantastic. And they just treated everybody with such respect. And it was just fantastic how she was dealt with. And, yep, she's back home now. She's wobbling away. But, yeah, she's doing well. Good, good. <laughs> Dear old Annie. <laughs> um, I think that is our show for this week, Jessica. I think so. There's probably one other fact, actually. Oh, I know. I think we, we can go. squeeze in another fact. Neil. Jessica. Did you know <laughs> the NHS is one of the largest employers in the world? And that along with the Chinese People Liberation Army, Indian Railways and Walmart supermarket chain. So there's everybody represented within that list. But, you know, the NHS is an institution to be one of the biggest employers in the world. I think people don't sometimes realise the scale of, of this institution it's mm-hmm. absolutely huge it's absolutely huge and they do an amazing job and we couldn't be proud to have them and we couldn't be prouder to have them as our customers so yeah thank you NHS it's done the 70 years and beyond definitely and it's been really lovely this week to celebrate that with staff and hearing their stories and we held um fundraising tea party this week and Everybody came out and said what a lovely thing it was to do. And we've had some fantastic inter- interaction on our social media channels and people telling us their stories. And it just really, you know, firmed up to me that people do really care about this institution. And it's been wonderful to hear the positivity around it. Well, we'll leave it there. Um, but before we go, I'll just remind you guys at home where you can find us. Uh, the website is, of course, wesleyan.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn, as well as on Twitter, at Wesleyan. Jessica, what is the CR handle? It's at Wesleyan CR on Twitter. Thank you. And if you want to see what we get up to at work, you see some of the pictures from our NHS tea party, especially that's on Instagram, at Wesleyan Careers. And if you haven't already, and I don't know why you wouldn't have, you can subscribe to the podcast on both iTunes and Podbean. But until next time, thank you, Jessica. Thanks. And thank you for listening. Thank you.